Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. How can I deliver consistent long-term results? It begins with a distinctive approach to managing money that for over 85 years has focused on keeping confidence up when markets are down. An approach where portfolio managers work well independently and even better together. Who don't just invest, but are personally invested. Can I find a proven approach designed to deliver the results I need? With Capital Group, I can. Welcome back to the XY Advisor podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and today I am joined by Morgan Haywood. Hello. Hello, Fraser. And we are actually in the same room. I know it's a weird thing, considering half the country's in lockdown at, at the time of this recording. It is. It's delightful. It's better than Zooming. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And so we're doing a live... No, we're not doing a live, but we are actually in the same room. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you for having me. Now, let's start with you. Let, tell us about you and, and, and your current situation. My current situation. So I've recently um, got into partnership with someone and we've opened up a financial planning firm. I'm off the back of a very successful accounting and business advice firm. So that's been my recent adventure, which has consumed every part of my mental energy. And it's just, it's been an amazing experience. So massive transition over the last couple of months. Um, gone on in your life, a, a new beginning, a new partnership, a new business, starting from scratch, which we're going to get into. Uh, before we do that, uh, tell us about your, how you got into advice. Hmm, how I got into advice? Um, so I started off science. I have a science background. Um, at uni, I always thought I was going to do med. I actually ended up graduating my degree. I changed paths halfway through. ended up graduating um, with environmental science. I'm actually technically a zoologist and ecologist. Wow. Weird. Nathan Dr. Fradley's going to love this one. Dr. Hayward will start to call you. <laughs> tell, us, tell us more, doctor. Um, and then at the time, look, I think it was might have been Abbott government or someone. They said climate change isn't real. And then I remember graduating and there was no jobs in the sector. And I was like, wow, this is fun. Um, and the only jobs that were available, you needed 10 years experience or you were sent to a mine site for a spotting, you know, going in front of the tractors and picking out lizards. That wow. wasn't really my thing. And at the time, you know how people align for reasons? Yes. To a partner at the time, um, he was a real estate agent, but – he, I remember he worked with a financial planner and I went to this gig with him one day and I saw this financial planner in action and it just blew my mind. Like you don't learn this stuff at school and you know firsthand. Um, and I went, I've got to go do that. And then I just had a complete career change. Um, I met these two beautiful women. Um, look, I knew I wanted to be a financial planner, but I didn't know any, you know, at the time, 23-year-old financial planners. My partner at the time said, no one's going to take financial advice from a 23-year-old female. And I was like, cool. I'm shaking, my, wrong. I'm shaking my head right now. I'm so glad you proved them wrong. <laughs> exactly. Yep. But that's like me. Tell me I can't do it and I'll just fire up and do the opposite. I met these two women. Um, 
they did mortgage broking and they did specialist mortgage broking, but they didn't also do that. They did, you know, debt reduction, um, cash flow management, and they ended up harvesting me. Um, I was there for many years. Um, they ended up offering financial planning as a service at the end. Um, the type of financial planning they did wasn't really – they were white. They got in, didn't want to do it. I met someone else um, and then went to, straight into financial planning. Wow. Yeah. And that's been a – like an experience of jump in the ocean and try to swim. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that uh, look, this you know, I think it's a we all fall into it in different ways, and and, and that's the that's been the pathway. Fantastic, uh, the science of uh, financial planning, I guess, is what you've uh, been yeah. following. And it is it science is methodical, but so is financial planning. Right, um, I get my brain tingles from it. My brain activity goes wild, um, and then I, it it's also something where you feel good. Because you are helping everyone. So how I see it is I can help people in different ways. Yep. Um, and then obviously now with ethical investing, I can kind of align both of those Yep. Um, as well and offer that as a service. Fantastic. And we're going to get into that in a minute because uh, you certainly are one of the people on the on the ethics committee with the XY Advisor Group. So we'll, we'll, we'll park that for now. We'll get, mm-hmm. we'll get to it. Um, so you got then into financial planning. You started working uh, as an employee with other businesses. Yep. So uh, the first firm I was at, you know, I walked in, they're like, hey, have this book of clients and um, just learn. And the only way that I actually learned, the best thing for me, I think I got nothing from the principal at all, was the XY committee. Yep. I remember back then it was, I joined the Facebook group, only been a few hundred people. But I was like, hey, I've been chucked this client. I have no idea how to deal with them. Um, and just the support that I received from the community was so important for me. And I could not have succeeded back then being given the job that I had without the support of the community and going to my fellow colleagues and strategizing. And then you have a curly one, you put a post up and, you know, you get um, the support. And that's why I'm so big on giving back to the community because I couldn't have actually succeeded or, you know, being the position that I'm in without the support of other advisors. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm really big on that community aspect and, and the idea of giving as well as receiving because, you know, you can go to a community and receive. That's 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 fairly easy. But to feel that sense of belonging, you really need to, to give and feel like you're being appreciated as well as receiving. Yeah, and advisors, and I think whilst it's a lonely place, advisors are willing to open up to other advisors. You know, if you have a chat to someone, I say someone is always experiencing the same problem as you. You just need to reach out. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Fantastic. Excellent. So you're you're an employed advisor. Uh, you're ticking along. You're working in uh, in Brisbane and, and commuting because you. Well, actually, at the time I was working at a Gold Coast. Oh firm, right. Yes. And I was living okay. in Brisbane, so I was commuting the other way. Yes. Yes. You commute yeah. the other way. It's <laughs> <laughs> wild. I'm like yeah. a slave to my car. Why is it that you never live in the same place you yeah, work? I know it doesn't <laughs> never aligns. I think for me, I actually deep down I want to admit it. I probably like my drive time. Because it's my disconnect, so I can be present at home. So it's the hour where I'm getting the thoughts of the clients out of my head. I'm catching up on phone calls, and that way, when I can be at home, I can be present mm. and try to actually be with my partner. But if I had a five minute walk, I'd go home and be like, "Oh, I had this client, or I did this." Uh, right? Okay. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. A little separate. The third space, as Dr. Adam Fraser would call it. Yeah. Hmm. Exactly. There you go. Uh, so, so you worked that out before Dr. Adam Fraser. By the way, we'll just we'll just add that one in there. He won't be happy. <laughs> Um, so then, so now you, but then of course, uh, recently you were, you were going the other way. You were living in the Gold Coast, but working in Brisbane. Yes. Um, so I, I still live on the Gold Coast. My partner refuses to move to Brisbane. So I've come down here, but I actually love it. I, I love the coast. I love the lifestyle. Um, and I have flexi work hours anyway. So a lot of my clients 
I'll mostly work 10 till probably 7. At that time of night, when you drive home, there's no traffic. And also all my extracurricular activities are in Brisbane. So if I finish at 6, usually my dance classes are at 7, that kind of thing. So it, it does align well. Yeah, fantastic. Now let's get into that because you, uh, you, not a lot of people know that about you. <laughs> <laughs> Try to keep it private. Yeah, uh, are you happy to share about that? Tell us about your dance classes. Yeah, no, I love dancing. Um, I think in this type of job it's important that you can have your creative side because obviously if you're planning, it's such a headspace thing where you, all day you're in your head. Um, and when I say when I am dancing, I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about anything else it's just my complete zone out space and so I love it I do salsa samba pretty much any latin style um I also do performances um I've actually got a performance on tonight well with the feathers with the feathers um and that's my thing it's it's fun exercise it's freeing it's good for the mind you can also be creative I think for anyone although I say the first thing psychologists just prescribe to someone with depression is exercise right Yep. It is the most important thing if you have a mental a mentally draining job yep. is to go do some exercise and find exercise that you like. It doesn't need to be gym. Find a sport. Yes. Um, yes. It doesn't feel like you're exercising. Something that right. makes you smile and enjoy it. Wonderful. Now let's get into the the idea that you've recently started your business. Yeah. Now this is the transition from you being an employee, working for somebody else, into your own business. Tell us about how that came about and your thought process. <laughs> My thought process, I've always thought about it. I actually never wanted a business. And the reason why, it's just my product of my environment. My parents had a business when I was probably still breastfeeding. (laughs) It went south. And my parents repaid that debt pretty much until I was in high school. And they've always had that bad experience. Um, And I've always thought about that. Oh, you know, my parents were in that position because of that. So I've always been like, oh, I'd rather be an employee, but really high up. I think I just clouded myself with that. But then obviously being in the community, talking to all the advisors, seeing how you know you can get that support and you can thrive with the right people around you kind of opened my mind up. Um, I was studying my master's, so I spent three years doing my master's and I finished that last year in November. And I thought, right, in November, the idea is going to come to me. What I want to do with my future is just going to click when I have one free day and it didn't happen straight away. Yep. I went through the summer break, had nice holidays, and it really bothered me that I didn't have the direction. Really, I thought about it all night, every night. Then I thought um, I so, was always so on. When, so in that time, you you spent three years studying and you had this goal outcome. Is that right? Yeah, I thought I'll just get the master's done and then I will figure out what I want to do long term after. And then after that, you were like craving the new goal. Yes, craving it to the point that it kept me up at night. Wow. Like, yeah. 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 So there's the there's the uh, you know there's the uh, conversation I guess or, or the or the the idea around you know being able to have set goals and be able to to, yes. to, to strive. And I'm like that every year. I write um, goals list for myself for things that I want to achieve during the year, and I'm very big on having them achievable steps because you can't you know aim for the Empire State Building. You need to climb the stairs first. So I say say have small achievable goals that you can actually do throughout the year, and you're going to get them done. I always write them down. January 1st, I had nothing. I was really struggling. My partner and I were sitting there writing my goals. I had goals for me um, with, you know, call my parents more, go see them more, see, you know, be more engaged with my friends, um, you know, goals for my partners, goals for dancing. But I really struggled on the business side because I'd done done the study. Done I thought masters. maybe I'm going to do other masters. Yeah. I actually looked into doing other masters. Yeah, right. And I almost Science committed maybe. to Science maybe. That's it. a good subject. <laughs> 
could do it. I love science. Um, so I thought I'm going to buy the business that I'm in. My boss, he's winding down. Look, um, there's a couple of trigger things that happened and I just went, I'm not going to buy the business. So, so this is interesting because you're an employee in a business and from the, your ex-boss's point of view, were you, were you a possible succession plan? Yeah, and I'd always told him that. And I did have plans of buying the business. But there's just a couple of things that happened this year and I just went, this is not the one. And I got a, the feeling in my stomach. Yep. I'm always big on that. Yeah, gut feeling, yep. The gut feeling was like, no. Um, and at the time, the universe pushed me. For no reason, my LinkedIn just blew up. I had job offers coming left, right and centre. Um, and the guy I actually um, met and I've gone to business with, I actually knew him already through the industry, um, already working at an accounting practice and bumped into him and just started those conversations. Now, we had probably six meetings together. And it wasn't just him interviewing me, it was me interviewing him. Yep. The alignment was so important. For yep. me, I'm not changing firms again. Um, and as an advisor, you don't want that in your resume either. And changing licenses and getting, oh, it's a pain in the butt. So for me, I needed to make sure that was the right one. They needed to align in the way that they do business, in the type of clients that they have, in their values. So it was six meetings and not once did I get the gut, you know, did I get the yep. tingling in my stomach of, oh, I didn't like that response. Um, and for Lachlan and I... We just aligned in every single way. He's a country boy. Um, he's an accountant. He's just an absolutely pure soul. And I got that feeling from him and everything else has just clicked into place since then. Wow. Okay. Uh, so it was a, a, a fairly, uh, well, I guess it was six meetings, but it's still quite a short period of time that you came to this decision. Yes. It was a couple of months of meetings. I mean, there was the point that having my partner, I said, oh, am I doing the right thing? You know, Grass isn't always green on the other side. I guess in this industry as well, um, you know, someone can sell something in the way of hype. You know, I'm, oh, I know people get really excited and they say, oh, I'm great and I do this and I do this. So I usually kind of discount it. I say, oh, if you say this, maybe if I discount it 50%, that's probably the facts and figures. And so Lachlan was telling me these things and I've naturally just discounted in my head automatically. It's a blessing and a curse. So when I've actually come in, to business with him, it's the opposite. He's an accountant, right? He was underselling himself. He actually knew the numbers. He actually knew the numbers and I've gone in and it's just, uh, he's a leader. Yep. Um, and he's built this beautiful team who all love and respect him. I think that's a big thing as well. And we'll get into a bit about that, how he, the office morale and everyone's laughing and joking and they do a group huddle in the morning, every single morning, group huddle, talk about what they're going to do for the day. Do so many staff events, and it's just he's so heavy on the recruiting part, getting the person right for the team. Because you know, have one bad apple in a mm. bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all they're cut amongst the pigeons, and then you don't have any more pigeons. Um, t- tell me about that. Did that process then? You I've, I, you met with him, but did you meet with other people around, like the staff and, yes. and people? Who so knew he him? said probably the third meeting. He said, "I want you to meet the staff. A, see if they get along with you, and if you vibe with them, because you were going to be doing everything together." So there was a lunch. We had lunch. <laughs> I just went, these are my people. Uh, I think I had abs from laughing. Um, that was amazing. I met the meeting, um, met the senior leaders as well. And then it was obviously negotiating terms um, back and forward. And even then I still had all the process of you know, doubting it, being like, oh, it's too good to be true. Maybe I'll just stay where I am. Then the universe sent me another sign. Okay. 
This You're not meant to say that. This is very scientific. <laughs> yeah. is, you know, it just I can't explain it, but something happened as a, as another sign to go. Yep. No. Yeah, you're not excellent. Okay, so uh, it, all roads were pointing in this direction. Yep. Um, this is an existing accounting business yes. with existing staff, existing clientele, with no financial planning arm yes. to it. So the biggest thing for Lachlan was he loves his clients and he wants to look after them. He was referring the work out. It's the same for me if I refer someone to a mortgage broker and that mortgage broker doesn't give the same service that you want. It reflects poorly on you. Yep. So he just went, how can I give my clients the service that they need? They all needed financial planning. How can I not control that but make sure it's a good experience for them yep. so that A, I don't lose my client, A, I don't have an unhappy client and it works well. Now, for his type of client, you need to have a financial planner that actually knows accounting but gets along with the accountant because you need joint strategies. When you've mm. got business owners that have 15 entities all flowing money to different avenues, you need the financial planner to sit in on that meeting and go, okay, we're distributing here, let's invest through here or let's distribute out there. Um, yeah, we've talked recently about the professional network and how it needs to work so closely together, especially when there's lots of different entities and, uh, and bits and pieces. Um, how long had he been thinking of, mm. of, of starting a financial planning arm? Yeah, so when we caught up, he had actually been trying to find someone for a year. He said, just haven't had the right fit. Yep. Um, the recruiters had put a few people in front of him that just didn't align. And then it just so happened to be that we bumped into each other. And I was like, what are you doing? Um, and it just all worked up for a year yeah. for him. Yeah, okay. Wow. Um, so the, you, you, you've mashed this together. How do you set up a structure that then is um, – because there's lots of different concepts and thoughts and ideas. With it. How did you come into this and what angle did you, did you approach that when it came to setting up a business together – with a person who's got an existing business, obviously yeah. you're, you you know, you can buy into the accounting business or you can set up a new entity. Tell us how you... Yeah, so we set up a new entity because I didn't want, um, you know, from a licensing perspective as well, if I'm controlling it, I can control what I do. Can, can't control what others do. We thought about changing the name. We thought about Yield Wealth, having it separate. Um, so the entity is actually Yield Financial um, advisory, but we trade under yield advisories, the whole thing. The only reason I was comfortable in actually trading under the same name is he does such a good job over there. He's branded hard. He's got great reviews. There is nothing going to drag me down from that end. He runs a tight ship and that's why it took six meetings for me to figure that out. So I was more than happy to use his branding and then it was just negotiating the terms of our agreement. Um, he actually has no... Um, saying anything of the planning. He goes, I don't want to do planning. I don't know it. You take 100% control. You take the reins. You know what's best. He literally just said, look after the clients. That's yeah. all I care about. Do a good job um, and you can control that space. So then for me, it was analysis paralysis, right? I'm overwhelmed with decisions yep. and I hadn't had that before. Yep. And I had to think of it, go back to basics. And I think we had the discussion and you actually said to me, what do you want the client to experience? And then cater your process back from there. And that was really important for me. Yeah, thank you. So so let's go through that then because he's got a great brand already, an established brand uh, in, in, a, in a marketplace with clients. Um, so you're obviously the, the new business is leveraging off that brand. It's fantastic to be able to – it's not something that a lot of people have the opportunity to, yeah. to walk into. You mentioned there that when it comes to setting up the client process, you really had a blank sheet of paper. Yeah. Um, talk, talk us through that um, blank sheet of paper. It's nice. It's a fresh <laughs> It's a dream for anyone. 
fresh um, space to work in. And I went, what type of clients am I going to attract? What type of clients am I working with? What do I want them to experience? And just before we do that, the clients that you're mostly going to be starting with or started with are the existing clients of, of yes. the firm. Yep. So, yes. so that your niche, I guess, or the clients you're attracting to would be very, if not they're the same is the yes. existing. Yes, so business owners and professionals. So that's what the, the firm targets. Um, I think a lot of the um, the business owners are actually pharmacy owners. So you've know, got some, um, they niche in that space. They're yep. like the accountants for pharmacy owners. Okay, great. Um, yep. And they give a lot of business advice around there. So I thought, how do they attract? How do they currently work their business? They're 100% online. Um, they use technology to the full of its extent. I've never walked into an accounting firm that doesn't have a sheet of paper on the desk. They're also really environmentally friendly. They actually write their notes on little whiteboards and each day they wipe it off. And they, I just have never seen anything like it coming from paper offices with filing cabinets for days. It's really strange. So I thought, hmm, I can't send this client a 12-page fact fine in paper and ask them to fill it out. I can't be sending a client this. So I went, what are they used to? How can I make technology work? How can I make the experience work? Um I, I'm going to hang up on the point that, because uh, we're going to come back to the blank sheet of paper, that you're working with a lot of pharmacies and, and you're a scientist, so I'm going to call you um, Dr. <laughs> Hayward um, and, uh, and and convince you that you need to get your, you know, a doctorate in something. And, and I still then... I would. I totally would go back. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the blank sheet of paper. So you're uh, so starting from fresh. You now know what the clientele is. You, you're, you're, you've gone through how you want to help those people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, tell us about the rest. The biggest point was having an accountant and a financial planner online. Naturally, accountants don't like financial planners. They just don't. They actually also don't use financial planners. There was some study that came out that said 95% of accountants, some figure in the 90s, do not have a financial planner, do not use and do not like referring unless there's a, some kind of benefit for them. Hey, this is a really good point, right? Because this is the sort of point I like to ask people in senior positions um, in the industry is do you actually have a financial planner? So, uh, so, and know. the first thing Lachlan did was went, I like what you do. Here's, here's my financial planning. That was big. Cause he's like, if I trust you with my finances, then you're more than welcome to, and he goes, look after the staff. I'm actually presenting to the staff, uh, on Tuesday. Um, cause if they see and they believe what you do, they're going to refer, right? And, then, yeah, and that process is going to be solidified. I hundred percent, if accountants, if you are out there listening to this, align yourself with a financial planner. Um, and for both of you, no financial gain, just a symbiotic relationship. Because if you're looking at business owners and professionals or anyone with any kind of structure in place, the two of you need to be aligned to have the best outcome for the client. So think of the client. Even if once a year, accountant, financial planner, they Zoom for 15 minutes with each other. Okay, all right, this is the situation this year. How can we make it best work for yep. the client? Yep. And yep. I think there is that disconnect in those industries still. And I think that that gap also needs to be. Nice. And, uh, and talk to me about this blank sheet of paper. Did you, is this a goals-based advice moment? You get to yes. start digging deep. Talk. Yes, goals-based advice. Um, for me, I love anything that challenges me. So these type of clients, I say you need soul feels, something that makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Yep. And I need my brain to be working. Yep. I, I love my retiree clients. I've always done retirees, but I can't just do retirees. Yep. My brain doesn't become active enough. <laughs> These clients challenge me. They're all extremely smart. They're scientists. And as well, like I attract a lot of engineers, which is a blessing and a curse, right? <laughs> no other financial planner wants them, they'll come to me. Because um, they challenge me and they make, they make me think. Yeah, yeah. It's just going back to, all right, what can I offer them? And that includes pricing, 
structuring that, doing fixed costs. Um, yeah, what do yeah, you know? Let's go. Let's go into that pricing because you just mentioned it. Tell me, tell me about how you came to then work out what your pricing is going to be and the structure and the fixed costs, and and then how are you going to present them on how you present them to your clients? Yeah. So I guess it comes based on experience and the type of clients that I've had. So. I've always worked alongside an accounting firm. So I know, okay, this type of client, um, I would have traditionally put 10 hours in. Now that I'm potentially using technology more efficiently, that's probably cut back to seven. I allow buffer. I also look at the value. I know I'm adding. So I have um, four price models for each. I have got two sections. So I've got a retail client section and a wholesale. Pretty much the wholesale's double. And it's not just because I want to gouge the, the higher income earners. It's because it's more risk. Like if that client sues me, like, you know, yeah, the yeah. damage is yep. Ten, yep. tenfold. Yep. Um, and also they're going to have different, like the, the things that you actually offer to a wholesale client are very different mm. as well. Yeah. Um, so prices. So I offer my basic package will be I think it's about two thousand nineteen eighty. This is for my retail. Yep. Then I've got one that's about four. Got one that's about six. And my complex, my comprehensive is ten. And then you just double that for your wholesale. Yeah. And then in there that itemizes what they're doing. And I think the biggest thing f- is how many scopes of advice or how many structures am I advising to? Because yep. I'm not going to let you know. A client with twenty structures just go. Oh, I want the bronze. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I'm going to do five of times course. the work there. But these are clients that are coming from a, a, a an accounting firm that is not um, chasing the bottom of the market, right? Yeah. Accounting firm that has structured fees in place, and there is a precedent there for the for those clients that they're already paying for quality uh, accounting advice. And and you and I have spoken before, and 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 it's not about you know. Um, reactive accounting advice. It's a proactive, look, looking forward type accounting advice. So they're paying for that now. Um, so that your packages wouldn't be necessarily a different, you know, a, a step up or a step down. Yeah. And that was really important for me when I was pricing. So I used to actually just see clients and then quote them after at my old firm. I'd be like, okay, what's the job involved? Because the, the honey trap was quite wide. Like if you have a problem, come and see Morgan, right? Mm. Now it's, I'm catering to their market. I know they already do fixed price costs and that's how they work. So I actually had to tail my package to them. So I actually have an offering going, do you want A, B, C or D? This is what you're going to get. It's fixed price. If, you know, at 12 months you've needed more work, then we'll suggest that you go up. But also at that time they're going to see the value that you've added as well and then going to be more than happy going, look, we allowed four hours for this. You've probably called us 10 times or asked a bit more. You know, we should consider bumping up a package. Yeah, okay. Yep, very good. Um, so you've 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 created these packages. You've sort of set them, uh, and obviously you you know you've worked with uh, your business partner on on those packages. Uh, you've created the what are you going to do for each one? Uh, tell me about then. Do you do you put that into marketing documentation? Yep. How do you promote it? What you're doing? The marketing documentation, hundred percent. It's on nice, beautiful flyers, which I think is really important. Kind of think of it. It's like a menu. When you sit down at a restaurant, so on, you, the way it doesn't go, tell me what you think you want and then I'll come back and give you a quote. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Although I think the way you should say, are you hungry? Great, let me feed you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like a menu. It's like, okay. I'm like, I had a client last night. I said, look, um, these are the, you're not going to be down this end. You've got five entities I'm going to be advising on. You're either going to be up at these two. Yeah, and you have a look at how much service you want within that. And then you come back to me with your package. I'm not going, you must pay my top end. It's like, yeah. okay, you can pay a little bit lower, but you can actually see that you're not going to get yep. as much contact right there. Do they then, uh, is there any thoughts in those clients' mind that are, uh, as to I'm paying this for the accounting 
forward planning anyway? Is this an extra, an optional extra, or are they two separate things? Completely two separate things. Yep. So um, a couple of the meetings that I've had, I think it's really important for Lachlan, for his clients to, div- to diversify out of what they know. So naturally, um, I'll give you an example, pharmacy owners. They go, I know my pharmacy works. I know I can potentially get 5% yield after I pay costs, paying down a loan. I'm just going to replicate that. Yep. What happened? That's sector risk, right? Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Lachlan's like, I want some of these clients, I want you to actually show them the value of diversifying and not having all of their eggs in the one basket type yep. of thing. So I go, okay, I understand that you want to buy another pharmacy. Pharmacies are high price at the moment. You're going to pay an extremely high premium. What happens in this scenario? Would you be upset? Would your family suffer if you – something changed in legislation, you lost 20% <laughs> – Valuation on both on all of your pharmacies. Yeah. Let's look at another option. Okay, we decide we're going to invest. Then it's obviously the investment strategy, but then it's also structure. Yes. Which structure are we going to invest in? Yep. Are you going to put through a trust? Are you going to put through a company, bond, super? Um, that's where that joint meaning yeah. aligns. Yeah, yeah, because of all the risks of, you know, being a pharmacy owner as well. So that's, yeah, that's really interesting. And obviously, you know, I, I straight away think of the idea that it's running one pharmacy is – uh, you can be there uh, running 10 pharmacies as you obviously you can't be everywhere at all times so make, making them work um, so you've got that you've got that now in place how long's it been it's been a month now <laughs> it's, been a mo- it's been three months of planning um, to get to this point but it's been up and going for a month and I we kind of set everything up and going so that I wasn't starting you know, doomed for failure. I yep. had all the recipes and everything click into place so that the second that, you know, the doors kind of open from the financial planning side, it's just taken off. Yep. It's been... Excellent. So is it just you doing the work in there at the moment or you've got more staff coming in to help? Yeah, there will be more. Uh, essentially, I thought, you know, I've got to build up enough work for a staff member to come in. Exactly. At some point, yes. you know, bring in more staff. I'd love to take... Eventually, I'd like to replicate another me. I'm not saying that I am perfect, but I'd love to put my time Another dancing scientist. Yeah, they're, they're easy to come by. Yep. I'd really love to harvest the potential in you know, someone out of uni and take some of them to yep. a professional. I'd really love to canvas the potential of another human um, and bring someone else in underneath me um, and then replicate that out. Yep, um, fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, well, well, we'll all be following uh, following the journey. Uh, don't you worry about that. Uh, now, I want to talk about um, the community work that you do because you obviously do a lot of work with the, both the AFA um, as well as XY. Tell yeah. us about – let's start with the AFA work. Yeah. So first of all, going to say, if you were listening, get involved in anything that you can sink your teeth into. It is not only going to benefit your career, it's also going to benefit you personally. Um there's so much growth both professionally and personally that you can get from being involved with the community. Um, and also you don't have that feeling of being alone. As I mentioned, advice, if you're a sole practitioner in an advice firm, it can feel quite lonely and it doesn't need to be. If it is, you're directly making that um, for yourself. Absolutely. Another topic. So AFA, love AFA. Um, I don't know about the other states. I know the other states aren't quite as active as Queensland, Patricia Garcia, who's the – you know, the state leader there, she does an amazing job of getting the community together. So I'm the chair of the Gold Coast. Um, Gold Coasters traditionally like to hide in their shell. My job is to kind of crack that shell open and get them out and get them involved um, and get everyone talking again and have that community because Brisbane's great. Um, yeah. yeah, the thing about the Gold Coast, it's, uh, people around the country may or may not resonate with this, but the, the Gold Coast is a, a long 
uh, stretched out area of land. Um, so you could be, you know, an hour of drive from, you know, one part of the Gold Coast <laughs> yeah. to another. Uh, and there was a lot of things to do, obviously. There's lots of, um, you know, outdoor beach activities. So um, it's very difficult sometimes to get corporate events working here. And yeah. I think uh, football teams and, and sporting teams struggle to get people along because of that exact thing. There's, there's plenty of other things to do with your weekend. Yeah, like you talk to some coasters and they're at Palm Beach. They're like, oh, I don't want to do anything up at Southport. You get, it, you get someone at Topal and they're like, not oh, got a Rabina because um, of that distance yeah. thing. So you try and, to and place them in the middle. With cities, you get that concentration in one space and then it's easier yeah. to run events. But also, yeah, cold coasters, they are a bit more, they keep a lot. I've, I've noticed with them a lot of There's so many practices on the Gold Coast. And a lot of them we actually talk to and they, they keep to themselves. So there's there's a few big players down there, you know. There's Felicity Cooper. There's um, oh, there's so many. There and Gail, they're great. But there's also probably another hundred practices yeah. that don't yeah. go to anything. So my job is to kind of get in there and be like, hey, look, come connect. Got a yeah. problem? I yeah. know someone else on the coast will have the same problem. Yeah, and you've uh, you, you've taken on that challenge to say, get out of your uh, office and yeah. get along and be social. But even then, the the give back to me in accelerating my career and the type of advice I can give and the value add, it's tenfold. You know, I literally give 1% of the 100 that I give back. Mm. And it's so important. It's, it's really important to unite as a profession, especially if we're in this, we're all in this together of the positive evolution of advice moving forward. We need to be connected. We need to have a voice. We need to all be saying the same thing um, to also help our career in the community mm. and – yeah, perception one, from the public. Exactly right. The message to the public needs to be very consistent. Um, and XY, of course, you've done some work there. You're on the Ethics Committee. Yes, the Ethics Committee is amazing. Nathan um, and done a great job there. We'll have extremely different backgrounds and different um, experiences. And if you have an issue, whether it is personally, like, you know, oh, I'm in a workplace and this XYZ's happened or I've got this type of client situation or I'm a company, just... You can either send it anonymously or you can have a chat to any of us. It's We will not judge you. It's nothing like that. It's just an outsider perspective to help give clarity on your situation. Yes, and there's, and there's plenty of them. And I guess from time to time you just you make these decisions alone and then there is a compliance overlay, right? So you go, oh, well, compliantly you have to act in the best interest of the client and I'll just follow that line. And But sometimes ethical decisions can be, or ethical judgments, I won't say decisions, ethical judgments can be the fact that um, maybe compliance is over there and, and ethical behaviours over here and, and maybe they're just only just touching. Yeah. An example, like we have it all the time last year, COVID, I had five couples split. You got an SMSF, they're both clients, mm, right? Yeah. You talk to one, I hate the other one, I hate the other one. How do you actually give the service to – that's an ethical dilemma in itself, yeah. right? We recently had a submission of that. And then from me, from my perspective, because I'm active practicing advising, you've got BDMs, you've got risk writers in there, et cetera. I'm like, cool, I've had this situation so many times. This is the steps that I do, X, Y, Z. And they just come up. You don't mm. – sometimes you don't attract an ethical yep. situation. They just happen in business. Yeah, and the more that we can – and create this conversation around uh, that and then publish the outcome yeah. um, because sometimes, and, and this is the best part of it, these ethical conversations, you raise a point and then somebody else raises a completely different point from a different angle and you go, oh, I didn't yeah. actually consider yeah. that. And it's the same thing. Two people can always be right. They can both be right in their own way. It's just different perception. Um, and I'm a big believer of that. I'm an empath naturally. And I always put myself in other people's shoes and it's really important to be able to do that. Oh, okay. Did we think of not just the advisor, but the 
the client or did we think of the other staff members? You know, your actions can sometimes have a compounding effect mm. and that's really important. Um, even, love- even to the point where we have to think about the perception this has on from a consumer looking in. You know, like you, you talk about the the SMSF thing, you might think, well, that's fine, I can do that. But somebody looking in might say, oh, well, that that doesn't sound like it's possible. Um, even they might not know, but that that even that point of view. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's what we do. Um, we get the submissions coming in. We make a determination. We all put in our different our eight different opinions, which are very different. Sometimes you've got some really tech technical heavy um, legislation gurus in there that are like section 12.2 yep. and then you have another opinion going oh but the client might feel this yep. and then it ends up coming to a hybrid of of both of them usually and it's great so submit those but xy in general you know i'm a big supporter of xy love it it's community it's like-minded individuals um making that positive evolution and it's just getting involved can't advocate enough for it yeah, yeah fantastic now um just how do how do people if they want to make a um uh, determine or, or submit a determination to the to the committee. What's the best way for them to do that? So you can actually do it through the XY um, the app, or you know directly message me, message Nathan. Um, I think we're contact us on LinkedIn. You can even open up a new. I don't care if you <laughs> open up a private email, open up a fake account just to send me your submission. Just send it. Yeah. Um, so the, the the idea is that obviously it's all confident who who's in it can be confidential, but uh, you can you you say I've got this thing here as a brief summary, and then you might go back and say, well, tell me about this, tell me about that, tell me about the other thing. What yeah. are all the what are the contributing factors? Blah blah yep. blah, which is often, uh, and then you can go you guys can go away and, and yeah, and then we have a private group which we um, Nathan obviously posts the situation in there. Then we all put our opinions in then. Someone at the moment it's Nathan, but eventually we'll write up the submissions, and then those will form a library in the XY um, in the app, yep. so you can actually go in. And we want it to be so that eventually, you know, in five years' time, there will be a similar situation yep. lots have of, appeared. Lots of, lots of precedents sitting yeah. in there. Now, with that, do you then work with that uh, advisor? throughout that process to say, well, we need more information. Tell us about this. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yep. So at the moment, Nathan's been facilitating that because yep. the submissions have come directly to him. Yep. But absolutely, if he needs more information or sometimes we go, oh, we need a bit more information, then obviously Nathan will go back yep. and forward. And if you didn't listen to Nathan's episode a few episodes back, then um, the, the the reason this was put in place was because uh, it exists in other professions. Uh, and when lawyers, for example, come up with something, they'll submit these, you know, these ethical not really dilemmas, but situations, and then uh, there will be determination, and those determinations, then the lawyers will just go, "Great, that's the that's the yeah. determination," and and hang their head on it, and either either walk off or or um, proceed. Yeah, but that's it. So Nathan's wife, we was in in law, and they had a situation which they started doing work on, and then they actually just submitted it straight to the committee, and they said no. Nah. And that was the end of it. And he actually went, why do we not have this? Yep. And especially as advisors, we come, we see so many different types of situations and we had nothing like it. Yeah. So it's kind of groundbreaking. Yeah. And it's also kind of nice to be able to hang your hat on it as well. If, if, if you if you submit something and comes back saying, yes, it's fine, then you, you can go along with confidence. Yeah, it's peace of mind. It's also yep. so your brain isn't exploding at night time <laughs> thinking of all the different possibilities. Have I covered X, Y, Z? You yep. go, oh, okay, cool. Peace of mind. Yep. Move on. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, we look forward to following your journey, Dr. Morgan <laughs> Hayward. <laughs> I'm doc- yeah. If I'm ever a doctor, doctor. it's going to be like Ross or French. Being not like, a doctor. Yeah. Not a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I said that. If I do science, it's going to be like, is there a doctor on board? No, but I can, you know. So Ross or French, new nickname. Okay, yeah, excellent. Um 
Fantastic. Thanks for coming on and having a chat, sharing your story. We look forward to following it and we will follow it. We'll actually catch up uh, in you know a year or so and find out how it all went. Yeah, definitely. And I hope to see some of you, you know, if you're at an XY event that I'm there or an AFA event, come say hi. Um, Absolutely. Or if you have any, anything you want to chat about, just send me an inbox and more than happy to have a chat. Yeah, I was gonna, that was my next question. How can people get, can people continue the conversation yeah. with you? Find me on LinkedIn, Morgan Hayward, H-A-Y-W-A-R-D. Yes. That's the one. Yes. No, um, no don't put doctor in there. Yeah. Um, that's a <laughs> joke. Everyone's like, hey, would. Um, yeah, yeah. I get that quite often. But yeah. just, you know, if you're, if you're a young um, young listener as well, I'm a big advocate of doing the mentorship program with AFA as well. If you're going through uni, if you're a student, just know there is a community out there. If you don't know where to start, just reach out to me and I can kind of point you in the right direction or align you with like-minded individuals. Wonderful. And you've already given away the idea that you might want to take on a professional year person in uh, short in the long term. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We'll uh, catch you very soon. Thanks. Bye. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the XY Advisor Podcast. I'm Fraser Jack and I'm joined by Emily Blanche. Hello, Emily. Hello, Fraser. So good to catch up with you. Uh, It's our favourite part of the week. We get to shout out uh, some amazing work that the community are doing. Uh, So take it away. Absolutely. All right. Shout out today goes to Ben Nash, who put a job ad up on the XY Jobs Board and informed me that he hired an amazing advisor who had reached out um, through there. They got chatting, went through the process, uh, and Ben is now welcoming a new uh, advisor in addition to the Pivot Wealth team. So amazing news, uh, just that ability to connect like-minded people, great people, where great jobs meet great talent. So well done, Ben. Um, Super happy for you guys and looking forward to the next chapter for you guys. Um, And just a reminder to anyone who is looking for great talent, you are welcome to post your uh, job ads on the jobs board. Um, Just easy as becoming an XY Plus member and you can see it all listed there. It's really easy to share out on socials as well. Uh, And we obviously help you make some noise too. So thanks, Ben. And anyone else, just reach out.